Hello, everybody. It's a ladies' night out again tonight. No Chris, he's still having problems with his broadband. But while the cat's away, the mice will play. And uh, first of all, I'd like to make an apology to the audience, to our usual audience, because those who follow us will have seen us come up with a with a graphic called uh, the big switch off and that was purely my error um it's actually the big power off and when i thought about it i thought why did i just unconsciously type switch off because we do think about switching our lights off don't we and we don't think about who's behind the reason that we have to do that that we have to cut down on all of our costs not just power so and we we don't realize that it's big power, the big power companies that are that are robbing us for their own profit. So we saw that DPAC, which is disabled people against the cuts, they've been going for a lot of years now. Um, some of you may not have heard of them, but we've got a very vocal and powerful woman, Paula Peters, speaking with us tonight about they had an event called the big power off uh, on April the 1st, which was, I think, Saturday, might have been Friday. And I'm pretty sure it was uh, just so well attended. Uh, I think it was six million was the reach on Twitter alone. And um, I would just really like for Paula to come in and we're going to talk about how that went and what people can do and the reason why. Why did you do it? Paula. Um, good evening news and um, thank you for having me on and good evening everyone watching. Um, well, I'd like to start off by saying it was actually Sheffield Deepak that come up with the idea with the campaign. So Jen and David and everyone at Sheffield Deepak, um, National Deepak um, have supported the campaign but I think kudos needs to and recognition really needs to go to Sheffield Deepak and all the hard work um that they've been doing um for this campaign so you know we're really proud of the work that sheffield deepak's been doing on this um you know obviously you know when we heard you know a few months ago that Ofgen were going to increase um you know the price cap by nearly 700 pounds so you know you're looking at the average bill of like 1700 to 1900 pounds a year but you know, the energy company's standing charges have literally tripled and the unit costs have doubled. And this is before you use, you know, any power at all. And, you know, for we've got four million disabled people in abject poverty in the UK. And for 14 million disabled people, you know, you've got extra costs, um, you know, with your disability. And there's over, you know, you know, one in six, I think, families have a disabled person within the household. And, you know, these costs are just so unaffordable. I mean, what we've seen, we've seen inflation skyrocket. It's over 7%. Um, you know, um, you've seen food prices just triple, you know, fuel prices at the forecourts. You know, council tax has gone up, the water bill's gone up, council tax has gone up, you know, and it's just it's just like this. But the horror stories we're getting of um, disabled people unable to, you know, afford these um, costs. And this is before this price cap came into play. 
you know we've had and i think it's so important why the media need to look at the use of language because they talk about this as a recent cost of living crisis you know when you go back to the thatcher era when the privatization of the energy companies really started you know the utility costs have risen like over 40 percent and um you know it's just become and it's it's corporate greed you know this is a cost this is you know a cost of greed crisis you know yeah we're paying for the shareholders greed we're paying for the ceo's greed and we're paying for the government's greed you know and we we need to talk we talk about the mps and their little dibbins in a taxpayer's um expense you know paying for their energy costs and expenses which is absolute you know you know one rule for them and one rule for us kind of yeah. thing but you know the protest it was on the first of april the first one which is the day that the cap come into effect and obviously you know council tax rose as well and everything else so but you know shit debt you know, Sheffield Deepak done some absolutely amazing work, you know, and it was about sharing your personal stories. Um, if you could reduce your energy consumption on the day to to send a powerful message to the shareholders, to the CEOs, you know, we're going to take the power back and hit these greedy companies where it hurts. And that's in the profit margin. And I think if we can have you know, nearly 6 million join in on the 1st of April, you know, if people can, you know, share their stories for the 10th, which is this coming Sunday, but also if they can, but we know not everyone can't because there are disabled people and older people use equipment and who can't, but if people can reduce their energy consumption on the 10th, share their stories, but also share the links when you see hashtag big power off, you know, yeah, that's the seventh, isn't it? The seventh. Um, is that Thursday? Yeah, the Twitter so storm is on the seventh, right? Yeah. Which is tomorrow. So the Twitter storm is seven till nine PM. So if people can join in that, hashtag big power off and share the links as widely as you can. Tag people in you haven't before. So let's get let's get the hashtag trending. Let's really get the social reach just exploding out there to people who don't know about this who can join in and this is one campaign the government can't stop because it's from your home you know they can't stop you um taking the power back and giving a clear message to the energy companies we've had enough we're going to take the power back and we're going to hit them in the profit margin and that's one thing they will understand is when we say enough is enough we're going to hit them hard in the profits yeah, well, um, the uh, there's no such thing, I think, as um, uh, an energy crisis for MPs. I think it was, well, I do, I do know because you told me this morning, Paula, that £262,000, 454 pence was claimed by MPs purely for the costs of, in their second homes not even in their first homes, but for the cost of gas and electricity in their second homes. That's nearly quarter, well, it's over, over quarter of a million pounds. And I I was saying to you before the show came on that I first met you when you all did a, Deepak did a 
protest in the House of Commons. And I just like because I'm sure most people have heard of Deepak, but mm. just tell us a little bit about you know how long has this been going on? Because I know and you know that this has been going on for many years. I think you know the amount of people that we've lost to to benefit cuts to power cuts to you know just cuts in living standards uh, and people fall by the wayside in in the thousands don't they um well daypack um actually began on the 3rd of october 2010 to oppose and fight back against the vicious and brutal austerity measures that the coalition government which was conservatives and lib dems um, when they formed in the summer of 2010, they came out with the emergency budget over the summer of brutal, um, you know, social security cuts and social care cuts. And, you know, disabled people have been hit by over nearly £30 um, billion pounds worth um, of social security cuts, um, social care cuts. There's, you know, cuts to the NHS um you know cuts to local services the libraries every service we use you know cuts to access budget to um tra public transport and um you know deepak were instrumental in bringing um the complaint for um for the investigation for the united nations conventions of the rights of um, disabled people and you know it's not easy to get an investigation like that but, um, you know, in 2017, the UN ruled that the austerity cuts were having a catastrophic impact on disabled people's lives. And when you look at, um, you know, social care, you know, the British Medical Journal actually said, you know, that there's been over 120,000 people who have died with cuts to social care. And you look at the true number with um, cuts to um, it employment and support allowance, work capability assessment will never be known. But and I'm sorry for everyone in mental distress, which could be triggering. Um, there have been people who've taken their own lives. And we remember, you know, um, we remember every single person. You know, we remember, you know, Mark Wood, who, um, you know, starved to death because he lost his um, he lost his support. You know, we remember Jodie Whiting, who took her own life after a personal independence um, payment, you know, assessment, and she lost her support. And it's got to be absolutely clear to um, the wider public who, you know, we've had some really patronising comments over the last few days, you know, about how to keep warm and everything. You know, this is an ideological political attack on us. You know, it's driven to cause the maximum harm, the maximum distress and to cause, you know, to make us give up, basically, and not able to claim what we're entitled to. But I think the wider attack here is, you know, the government wants to um, get rid of its duty of care to us from the state. It's about the abolition of the welfare state in its entirety and privatise the NHS and you are seeing that um, especially the you know before the pandemic it was becoming a huge problem but since the pandemic and obviously we're still in a pandemic 
Um, we're definitely seeing a lot more people now coming forward to us who are saying we've been told we have to pay private for mental health care. Um, we're having to put, um, they're wanting us to pay private for um, a hip operation or we can't get our ears syringe, the NHS funding's been taken, some um, cancer support's been removed and people haven't got this money. You pay, and this is what I think um, a lot of the wider public seem to really struggle with. You pay for NA, the NHS and social care for your national insurance contributions. You know, that is what you pay for your state pension. That is what you pay national, you know, pay for your NHS, pay for social care. And you're also paying for that and for your social care with council tax, with the social care levy at local level as well. So, you you know, and that care should be, you know, that funding and that care should be there. And that's why DPAC um, is fighting for a fully funded social care system free at the point of need paid for by general taxation you know we want to make care fair and you know seeing what the government are trying to do you know cap for um you know asking older people to pay you know pay for their care by losing their home is an absolute travesty but when you're seeing disabled people who are having to pay up to 200 pounds a week for their social care packages they haven't got it and you're seeing local councils like in Birmingham, they're um, chasing disabled people for um, social care debt and sending bailiffs around to their doors and causing a great deal of distress. So going back to um, 2010, you know, when DPAC formed, um, we carried on um, the tradition, um, the great tradition set by Direct Action um, Network, um, Disabled People's Direct Action Network, which are now reforming. And some of the, and the amazing, brilliant work that they did, and um, you know, our campaign was built on peaceful um, civil disobedience, which is direct action. But also, um, we've learnt the law by taking the government to court, um, the formal complaint um, to the United Nations. As um, there's a third report um, that's been compiled um, to include the pandemic and you know, the last five years of where we're at. And I think we need to talk about the pandemic as well, because for disabled people, it's been catastrophic. Um, you know, the government has just thrown us under a bus, said we're disposable and expendable. Um, you know, thousands of disabled people have do not resuscitate placed on their records without knowledge, um, without this um, consent, without the knowledge of, um, you know, the family, if they ended up in hospital coronavirus, the um, access for um, coronavirus information during the pandemic from the government wasn't accessible. Often it was very um, limited. The councils weren't very supportive and um, they just thought, you know, we were completely worthless. And, you know, when you saw the heinous piece of legislation, the Coronavirus Act, um, which, you know, back at the start of the pandemic, the medics were given um, extraordinary powers to decide who lived and who died. And if you were over 65, um, you weren't given access to an ICU bed or a ventilator. And that was the same for disabled people. When disabled people had feeding tubes or it needed equipment, you couldn't get hold of it. And it was putting disabled people at further harm. 
and it needs to be stressed loud and clear. And this, this is from the Office of National Statistics that six out of 10 coronavirus deaths have been that of disabled people. And that is an absolute travesty. I mean, my aunt was one of those. She had MS and um, she was put in residential care in April 2020. She caught coronavirus in, um, in nursing care. Um, she was put in hospital and she died two days after my birthday in July 2020. And there are thousands, millions of stories like this. You know, the government need to be held to account for what happened during the pandemic. But also um, there needs to be an independent coronavirus um, inquiry, which the government need to um, be held to account for what happened to disabled people through the pandemic, what happened to older people through the pandemic, and the absolute shoddy, um, you know, decisions they made that put not only us at risk, they put frontline NHS staff at risk with, you know, with very scant access to personal protective equipment and also for personal assistance. The whole thing has just been an absolute mess and you know you know the governments I think are hoping that you know we forget all about that but yeah um Deepak's been going 12 years um Sheffield Deepak our great group in Sheffield's um been going for quite some time we have local groups around the country so if anybody is curious to know more about Deepak we've got a website a Twitter page Facebook page and a group we've got Instagram online shop you can um, buy a t-shirt if you can afford that but I would say to everybody watching trade unions and that please you know affiliate to Deepak even as a campaign group affiliate to us and um, you know just joining our campaigns like this brilliant campaign at Sheffield Deepak started called the big power off the more of us um, collectively you know, resist this government and resist the energy companies by saying, you know what, enough is enough. We're going to take the power back. It gives a clear message to the energy companies that we are not going to take this anymore and we're going to hurt you where it hurts in the profit margin. And yeah. I think if more people did that, it makes them sit up and think twice. Hold on. The public are really angry. They're pissed off. They've had enough. And, you know, Collective action really, really does work. And it's together united do we have a really, really powerful voice. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, just blown away by what you say, as always. And uh, when I'm from independent media, I started Unity News with a friend. At the time, we were called Unity March. And mm. I had a tumour in my head. And um, I won't go into it, but the upshot of it was that I burned through my savings and ended up facing the world of benefits. And I was absolutely distraught and shocked. The, the shock of me doing that was worse than the illness I'd just gone through. It was worse. And the, I went on TV. I went on the Vic Derbyshire show. I went on radio. I went everywhere I could. And I said... It's all right for me. I'm going to get better. But what about the people who aren't going to get better that need our support? And there is no support already. And it's declined since then. Mm. And I was so 
angry, so angry that I said to a bunch of friends, you know, and co old colleagues, uh, we've got to do something about this. And they said, we do. So we started up Unity March and we said to, do you remember people used to get abused online? They'd say, oh, if you're so bothered about something, go and join a protest. And everybody would say, look, I'm, I'm disabled. I'm at home. I'm a carer. I, I can't get out to these protests. I can't afford to go to London for a protest. Mm. So we said, what we'll do is we'll be, we'll be the feet on the ground, those of us that are able, we'll be the feet on the ground, and you sh share all our articles around the internet, which is what they did. We had about 2,000 warriors. We called them the Unity Warriors. They weren't keyboard warriors anymore. They were Unity Warriors and proud of it. And we we got we ended up with an audience of something like thirty million people, you know. Mm -hmm. And we had a, a Unity America and Unity Australia, and it was becoming global. And then Facebook, Facebook started to shut us down as they started to shut you down because we were getting too strong, and we were we were telling the stories of people that one gentleman he'd been sleeping in his wheelchair for three weeks because he couldn't afford he couldn't get a social care package and mm. he was his own things you know in his own dirt for three bloody weeks and yeah, you know and that wasn't the worst of it you know the people that died the people that died took their own lives i've known many of them and my my son has been one that almost was in that position i myself got in got in such a mess um and then the benefits people it's absolutely despicable they're like nazis and how they can how they can sleep at night i really don't know but i i get so angry about it and that's why now a bit of sort of it's not positive but it is positive for us is that jen is now um completely <clears throat> embroiled with extinction rebellion we're really proud to have her in our movement of movements <clears throat> and um so we really are we really are get, gathering together all of us and regardless of your ability or not your ability to do anything we can all we can all voice something we can all switch our kettle off for the day we can all do something and even if it's just sharing or retweeting other people's posts that's perfectly fine that's in fact without that Nobody would know anything, would they, Paula? I think, yeah, that's that's the um, really important point to stress. I mean, and I think that's one of the beauties of Deepak as well. We know that not all disabled people and, you know, carers and everything can um, get out onto a street protest and everything. And, and that is what the power of online on social media is so important because it gives everyone who's able to um, have a voice but we also know that you know there are over 5.4 older people who do not have access to the internet and cannot um, you know use it and a third of you know 14 million disabled people have no access to the internet and it's not accessible 
to use. And the problem is with everything going online, like, you know, the NHS, um, you know, universal credit, you know, PIP is, um, you know, if you've got an email, they're trying to push you to fill out your PIP application online, you know, all of our um, services are going online, which is, you know, completely inaccessible for many. So it's a way to deny access to healthcare. It's a way to deny access to um, the benefits system and everything like that. It's another barrier to which it excludes disabled people, older people, low income workers. And there was a story during the pandemic because um, I've been involved with the library campaign um, down in my neck of the woods in Bromley where the Bromley library workers were on strike for a year to fight against the libraries being turned into gyms and, you know, the trained library staff being removed out of the libraries. And, um, you know, there was a story in Croydon because they're, they're fighting to, you know, a lot of libraries have been um, removed of a, of a person who didn't have access to the internet at home um, couldn't afford broadband. He was sitting outside the steps of a library in Shirley in um, South Croydon, trying to access the um, the library's broadband so he could job search during the pandemic. You know, and there are thousands of stories like that um, across the country. And it's really important to stress this that since 2010, you know, there's been 810 libraries that have gone you know, completely closed. It's more than that now, I suspect. But this was from a freedom of information request. And there's been over 32,500 computers removed from the libraries. Now, if you haven't got access to the internet at home and you're on universal credit and got to do your job search, you need that computer. It's a lifeline. So what I'd say to everybody, you see a library campaign, join it because you're not just fighting for access for yourself, but for your children. And there are an awful lot of students who use the libraries as a um, quiet place to revise for exams and everything because they can't, you know, revise at home because the, the home life might be chaotic or, you know, too noisy or too, you know, so they need that space. The libraries are the beating heart of our communities, as is, our transport system is, you know, a lifeline for us to get from A to B. And what we're seeing with the government wanting to remove a third of platform staff, closed ticket offices at rail stations, it's going to impact on disabled people's ability to get about. And also um, it's about our safety as well. So when you're seeing the RMT, TSSA, the transport unions gearing up for that campaign, it's important to support that one as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we, we've had stories of uh, a lady who was uh, told to um, prostitute herself yeah. so that she could uh, afford broadband or a computer to fulfill yeah. her job seeker, you know, uh, responsibilities. And mm -hmm. also um, the, the young people, young, young people who've um, mugged people for their mobile phone so that they can sign into their job seeker thing otherwise they get sanctioned if they don't search for jobs they get sanctioned and they get absolutely zero money for up to three months and it's happening every minute of every day uh, we, we we don't have the uh data because the dwp say that they don't have to give out that data because it's the the Privacy Act, but you know the the 
the tales of degradation that people are forced into. And if only we're supposed to be supporting people back into work, back, back into if they've fallen through the cracks of the social care net, which just about everybody has now, haven't they? If you've reached the point where you need benefits, you're as low as you're going to get. And you think you can't go any lower, pff, wait until you've been on universal credit for three months and then they and then they sanction you for three months because you uh didn't look you didn't apply for a job as a bank manager when you're a qualified woodcutter do you know what i mean they're, they're telling you to take jobs that are completely out of your zone i think that's really important to stress that i read today you know benefit sanctions now are at um pre-coronavirus uh, pandemic levels now they're skyrocketing but also sanction level you know there are sanctions you know we knew of um you know and this is back in 2012 i think there was you know there are disabled people who've been sanctioned for three years there are yeah. you know there are three-month sanctions there are six-month sanctions and there are three-year sanctions and it is really really important to do that. i think the underlying thing of all of this is the government's just ripped the safety net away there is no safety net in the welfare state anymore there really isn't and um you know we're hearing you know it's the, the just the fear i mean they the dwp because of people having fear of brown envelopes they changed them to white well, the problem is, is people are having a fear of any post. They're having a fear of the postman turning up on the door because yes. it's that, am I going to get assessed today? Am I going to lose my money today? You yeah. live with this permanent black cloud above your head with um, yeah. financial insecurity all the time and they have the power to remove it at any time. And that's not helping, it, that's not helping pay the bills. I mean, you know, I read a story that Deepak Sheffield shared today of a you know, disabled man um, who couldn't charge his, can't afford to charge his mobility scooter because a full charge for a mobility scooter is 45 minutes to an hour. And he can't afford to do that. And he said, you know, it's impacting, you know, on my quality of life that I can't get out. And I bet there are thousands of stories like that where you know disabled people who use mobility scooters power wheelchair you do need to charge them for 45 minutes to an hour to fully charge the batteries and obviously with the cost of per unit per hour and the extortionate um costs that you know all of the energy companies let's talk about you know all of them not just the big six but all of them you know yeah. that are making and also you know some of the green energy companies that are actually outside the price cap you know ecotricity exactly. being one of them and exactly. they are charging i mean their charge their units per hour and the cost of um their standing charges are so expensive i mean i'm with ecotricity and you know um, I'm what is called a below average user for years. And I think this is really important to stress this for many years, disabled people because of austerity and the pan, you know, and obviously the pandemic on top of that. And we've had several years of benefit freezes. So the money hasn't gone up at all, but the costs have gone up year on year, further pushing disabled people into poverty and yeah. energy prices have risen. You know, everything's risen. 
but the money hasn't and it's you know plunged us all further into poverty and you know for years i mean for my own story you know for years i've been um you know turning off um you know living with the heat in one room you know thermostat down at 14 degrees as low as it can go i mean i've got rheumatoid arthritis so it's important to keep warm i've got an autoimmune condition so it's important to keep warm and i'm also asthmatic so the cold can affect my chest you know this past winter for me has been absolutely torturous i've had no sleep for nearly three months because i could not bear to lay down because of the pain but I can't afford to have my heating on 24 seven. I'm having it on for an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening, my thermostat of 47. So I'd like this question answered, Egotricity. Why the fuck did you put my bill up £130 a month when I was in credit by 50 quid? You know, this is something, and this is something, you know, if you're in credit with your bills, right go back to your energy companies and say they are breaking their license right start complaining about because they don't like you knowing these things but i can't afford to have my heating on all the time who can before the price cap you know yeah yeah precarious works rising the gig economies rising the zero hours the you know the firing and rehiring i mean look what's happened to the pno workers you know well absolutely that but what you've seen during the pandemic is over a you know over 182 percent rise in universal credit claims when millions lost their jobs going into you know the welfare state for the first time and all the horrors that that brings they're gonna find out that the last the last month you know the last two months you saw the dwp change the universal credit rules where you used to have three months in your field to look for a job. Now it's four weeks. Yeah. Who can find a job in four weeks? And then you've got to apply for a job outside your field when you haven't got the experience. Well, who's going to take you on if yeah. you haven't got the experience? But we've had disabled people in the work-related activity group. I mean, I had somebody um, in my neck of the woods in Bromley when we had a um, a store outside a job centre she said they told me to apply for work in a strip club and work yeah. as a stripper in a strip club you know yeah, and, yeah. or you know go into the sex industry and she turned around and said I won't do that and she said and then they threatened to sanction me then we had a another person who um, she has dreadful depression who they sanctioned her because the interviewer Got, went back to the DWP and said she wasn't happy enough when they interviewed her. So she was sanctioned three months' money because she wasn't she wasn't happy enough. Yeah. Well, if you're really depressed and you've got the DWP on your back, what are you supposed to be? Jumping yeah. for joy? I don't think well, so. we, we had last last week or the week before last, we had one young man who was sanctioned for attempting to commit suicide. You know, yeah. so and, and I just wanted to answer your question a little bit about Dale Vince, who's the owner of Egotricity, we call it here. Lots of people may know I live in Stroud, the home of Extinction Rebellion, and also the home of Dale Vince, who actually probably owns my home. He owns most of Gloucestershire now. Uh, and he's a very green man, but he's an entrepreneur and he's a capitalist. And 
he came to Stroud many years ago and saw the windmills on the hills and the wind on the hills and thought, oh, hang on, there's an opportunity here. And yeah, his his prices are dearer than the big six. And he says that's because he ploughs the money back into the um, to the uh, renewables that that supply him. But that I'm not sure that's quite true because uh, he he lives in a castle. You know, he lives in a beautiful castle. He owns most of the county. So he's he's not got he's like the MPs, you know, getting their second homes, gas and electricity paid for. Um, he there's no cost of living crisis for the likes of him. And also, what about the people on prepaid meters? You know, they're on about this loan, um, this enforced loan. So basically, they're going to mafia style, give you some money and then come around and break your legs if you don't pay it back. It's like that, isn't it? Because what's it going to do to people, especially those on prepaid meters? I mean, people have been calling for a windfall tax on, you know, the energy companies. But it's got to be said that the um, senior Tories have actually blocked that call for a windfall tax on the energy companies because Quasi Quartan, let's talk about Quasi Quartan and, um, you know, business secretary actually turned around and said, oh, that's not a good move for the investors you know, um, to put a windfall tax on them. But let's talk about the shareholders, shall we? Let's talk about the 200 billion, 200 billion that shareholders have um, made from the investment in energy companies since 2010. 200 billion. Jesus Christ. This is, you know, and the fact that the energy companies, you know, before the pat before the cap rise, they had one billion profits. What yeah. the fuck? Come on, yeah. you yeah. know, I couldn't even begin to imagine how much money that is in a room. But two hundred billion. But let's talk about the MPs because you know I read today is actually what the MPs have claimed. Okay, and this is. Over 315 of them, they have claimed 420,000 pounds for their second homes for energy expenses. 420,000 pounds for the last three years in energy expenses. And let's talk about, you know, for the Twitter storm tomorrow, Let's use some of these facts, right? But let's name and shame the MPs that are claiming for them, right? Let's put them in there, okay? And I think Extinction Rebellion, let's make some big cardboard cutouts of these MPs and what you feel about these MPs who are claiming these gross amounts for their second homes, right? Liam Byrne, Labour. So anybody who lives um, in his constituency in Birmingham, and he's your MP, pay him a visit and say to him, why have you claimed £7,808 for gas and electric in the past three years? He's one of the worst offenders for claiming for gas and electric on his second home in the last three years. You know, that's like somebody's energy bill for three years. Why Why is he claiming that? And then you've got Matt Hancock. 
the former Secretary of State for the Department of Health and Social Care, right? He claimed over £4,000 on his on his heating oil for his country pad, you know? I mean, these MPs are claiming things, you know, for things like a heated stable for their horses, you know? Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then, you know, you've had... And let's talk about... Well, yeah, is anybody, does anybody know where Rishi Sunak is? Yeah. knows where he is. He's, he's in his third... He's, he's in his third home, 16 yeah. houses, isn't he? I mean, let's look at... Let's just, you know, look at him, you know? Put in planning permission for a swimming pool and a gym and a tennis court in his mansion in North Allington, right? His wife's a billionaire who's got 12 million from dividends from a Russian company. So she's not tying her link, you know, total hypocrisy from there. But when he, this photo stunt of him um, filling up a car in <laughs> um, outside, you know, outside of the station, right? Akia, it was the Sainsbury's employee's car. It wasn't his, right? He didn't have a clue how to fill it up. He's got four cars, this guy, by the way, right? Then he says about the bread, how many um, different kinds of bread he eats. It's like three or four, right? We can't even afford to to have one loaf of bread with the way prices are going on. And then he's throwing it up about the four different types of bread that they eat, the four cars that he's got, you know, there's millions of us who can't even afford to have a car or anything like that we simply can't afford to have one you know and transport costs are going through the roof and that's becoming a luxury to travel on public transport as well and he's just you so can even get out one. of touch he's so yeah. out of touch and i think this is a message to sainsbury's you know perhaps you should send rishi Sunak a reward card for yeah. the points that he went to the petrol station you know but the fact that, you know, it's a huge kind of, you know, let them eat bread kind of, you know, thing. They are let, that let, them eat, let them eat nothing, isn't it? Let them eat nothing. Yeah. Let them we, starve, you know. You know. Yeah. Oh. But that is, that is the absolutely sickening message. Oh, I can eat four different kinds of bread in our house. There are mums and dads going yeah. without food for days to feed their kids yeah. to make sure their their kids have got something they yeah. you know they can't afford to keep their kids warm and here he is to going off to california for his fifth home with his four cars and his three different kinds of bread wearing his 350 quid pair of shoes yeah and there are people starving here there are people homeless here what he needs to do is get his ass back here and start dealing with this crowd, but they don't care. They're well, not that's interested. because they they actually only work for a hundred. Was it um a hundred and ten days for of the year? That's all they work because they're off on their Easter holidays now, and they get thirteen weeks, I believe. So, who out of any of us gets thirteen weeks off? Oh, the, I don't know anyone. Three study I think the thing is what we need to really get out to the wider public, you know, and you're seeing with like older people who've, you know, had the triple lock taken away, the over 75 TV license taken away, you know, yeah. when you're seeing winter fuel, uh, you're seeing the Allowed winter fuel deaths. Removed. Yeah. And you're seeing the winter fuel deaths like at 
in 2008 before the pandemic they were the highest they ever were you know you're going to see um next winter you know the winter fuel deaths are just going to go through the roof they will not be able to count them but i think the really important thing to say here is people are dying now you yeah. know people have been dying for 12 years and before that with horrendous yeah. cuts you know and i think disabled people are saying you know stop saying it's a recent cost of living crisis because it isn't it yeah. hasn't been for us we're no. in the position now of barely surviving or dying you know that is where we're at. There's millions of people on their ass who haven't got this money to pay gas and electric companies, who haven't got this money for social care charges, who haven't got this money for council tax increases, who no. haven't got it. And what you're going to see is people chucked out on the street because they haven't got, you know, the money to pay all of this. You're going to see yeah. homelessness rise. You're going to see poverty rise you're going to see people plunged into poverty who weren't before this you know we know yeah. all about that you know but the important thing is is what do we do about it you know we can we can comply it's what do we do about it which is why campaigns like the big power off are massively important to get involved in to throw your support behind you know shame the mps who have been claiming for their second homes and their gross energy expenses if you're clever of making snappy memes right put liam Byrne claimed seven thousand eight hundred and eight pounds you know hashtag big power off and um, you know shame them and let's talk about you know the first of april when we had the first big power off the mps got an, an you know another 2000 you know 2200 a year so their basic take home pay is 84101 pounds that's without all the different bits they get added on and yeah. you know many mps have second jobs i think it's totaling like what they get from second jobs all of them over six million pounds you yeah. know and here they are you know we had kit malthouse the other day he's on a hundred and fourteen thousand pounds and something probably oh i can't afford my energy bills yeah <clears throat> and you can you absolutely hypocritical condescending patronizing yeah bastard yeah. For saying when, that to us. Yeah, know? when we're on when we're on six thousand pounds a year. Six thousand know. pounds a year. And then we can get sanctioned at any moment, at any moment, and have absolutely nothing. And then if you go to the DWP and ask for a, a food bank voucher, they say to you, we don't have to give you a food bank voucher. You, you're only entitled to a food bank voucher twice a year. Well, so what do you do for the rest of the year then, starve? And all those MPs that are uh, that are standing to doing photo shoots outside the latest food bank they opened, nobody can afford, nobody can get a voucher to go to that bloody food bank. And even if they could, they can't afford to cook that food. We've got people that are refusing certain types of food at the food bank because there's no point in them taking it because they can't afford to cook it. No. I mean, we've got, I, I shared this story um, just over a week ago and it broke my heart really just. Yeah. 
73. She's on a state pension, you know, pay-as-you-go meter. And the, the charges of the pay-as-you-go meters are absolutely horrific. It's double you know? already, isn't it, what, yeah. uh, what somebody else pays on an ordinary and meter? Her neighbour, I mean, her neighbour's struggling herself and she's in dire poverty with two kids and she's been going without to to feed them and she hadn't seen a neighbor for a couple of days so she went round to see if she was okay and to find that a neighbor had been sitting in the dark for three days because she had no money to put on her key meter yeah. she had no money to switch on the electric kettle or anything like that you know yeah, yeah. and all she had the neighbor went to see was a fiver right in her pocket she gave it to her neighbour so she had some money to make a cup of tea with. Yeah? Yeah. Now, what kind of country is this? Yeah. When we were allowing a 73-year-old yeah. right, on a state pension to sit in the dark for three days, yeah. you know? What kind of is this? What yeah. kind of country allows disabled people to die and think that's yeah. okay? You know? Yeah. Oh, it's not happening. Oh, he well is. He's been it is. for years. And it I'll is. tell you something now, you know, why are we not, for those who are able to, get out on the street and shut this country down? That's what I want to know. Yeah, we need a Women's Day strike and we also... It needs everybody. It needs everybody. everybody out to say enough. You know, if we took the power back for the poll tax... Make this cost of greed crisis. This government's yeah. poll tax. If they can get, if we could have got rid of Thatcher in 1990, we can get rid of fucking government. They know. Yeah, right? they know. That's why they, they got know. rid of Jeremy Corbyn. Well, we've got to stop it. Yeah. But, you know, can we when bring Sean in, please, Gaz? Because uh, I'm, I'm aware. Sorry, Paula. I'm aware that we're running out of time, and we've only got ten minutes left, and we've got so many questions. I think, Sean, haven't we? So please get ready, Paula, to answer some questions. Are you muted again, Sean? Right, I'm ready. Okay, so yeah, we've got loads of questions. So one of the first ones is from MD Jen Jin. I love some of these names on uh, YouTube. And uh, he, he, just going on from what Paula has just brought up, um, how can we make people more aware of this? Can we please also hold a mother of all rallies soon to finally end Tory rule? The government disobey protesters almost all of the time. Um, and then he goes on to say, giving last year's European Super League protests a run for their money. But, See, if yeah, it was about, mother of all rallies would football. be great. If it, was, um, if it was about football, they probably would get more people. I think, to be honest, as more and more people are becoming um, affected by what's happening now, um, you know, more and more people are getting angry and want to do something. There's loads of ways people can get involved um, in fighting back. A, the campaign on the 10th is so massively important, the big power off. Join in and um, at home, and if you can reduce energy consumption on the 10th, then great. Um, you know, um, you know, share your story. That's so important. Everyone's got a voice and everyone's got a story and we need to hear more stories. That's really important. Um, and if you want to be anonymous, isn't it? If you want yeah, to be anonymous, I mean, you can't 
if you're if people are frightened of sharing um you know having their name to a story we can um anonymize that story so that people's um names are not put onto that but if the media do want to speak to the individual we could have a way of protecting you you know um from any abuse or anything like that um people's assembly have got local groups that people can join in and link in with um you know dpac have local groups across the country you know if you're a disabled person join dpac um disabled people's direct action network um also i'd say join a trade union there's unite community um if you've got the money like 50p a week to join the, um that if you know there's power in a union you know you see what's happening in new york at the moment you know when they've just won against Amazon and there's some amazing campaigns that are doing some absolutely brilliant organizing on the ground and everything like United Voices of the World, you know, when you, you, you fight back collectively, you're, you're actually winning. So I think it's really important. And you look at Bart Serco campaign, you know, you know, they've been taken back in house, you know, they've, you know, got the pay rise that they've demanded. They've got their workers' rights that they've demanded and they've been taken back in-house. And I was really proud to have a part in that campaign. It wasn't very nice being manhandled by a security guard last July, but it, it was giving the workers power to, you know, fight back and, and to win. So there's many, many ways, and I haven't got um, long to, to say, but, you know, we have a voice. Use it. You know, turn the anger into action and there's thousands of ways. Sign petitions, contact MPs, contact your councillors, vote in the in the in the local elections. You're not happy with your councillor, right? There's a way to have a say, you know. Yeah. You know, there that is really, really important. But spread the word about campaigns like this with big power off. Get your neighbours, get your family members, get your friends, get everyone in the street to join in. There's posters you can download and put in windows, loads of ways to get involved. I'll be joining in on the um tenth, so get involved. Um, we have a question from, or a comment really, from uh, Wendy Fell on Facebook. She says, Paula, we're organising a cost of living crisis rally in North Allerton, North Yorkshire, which is Rishi Sunak's constituency seat. We're taking the, lo the loan shark post box toppers to North Allerton too. What Ooh. are them? What, what are the loan shark post box toppers? Um, Wendy, she crochets like these... Um, oh yeah yeah we've got some of those yeah. yeah and obviously it's to highlight um that rishi sunnet with the 200 pound loan is a loan shark because you've got to pay the 200 pounds back over you know 40 quid um a year so over five years it's like three pound 33 a month is going to be added onto your monthly energy costs when people can't afford it so yeah rishi sunnet is a loan shark so you know it's going back, you know, it's a great idea to keep going back to North Allerton and just getting out to the Chancellor's constituency and saying, look, this is what the, this is what your MP, who's Chancellor of the Exchequer, is doing. How can you vote for this guy? This is where, you know, we done a great campaign back in 2015 when we supported the Sackester McVeigh campaign. And, we, you know, yeah. we went out to the constituency and really, you know, we leafleted, you know, we had the blonde wigs and everything like that, dressed up as Esther McVeigh. And we really hit a constituency, you know, 
and said, you know, get rid of, you know, get rid of her. She's Secretary of State for the DWP. They have a really important part to play. Get out into the constituency MPs, you know, yeah. their ministers and everything, and show the constituents what they're actually voting for. Yeah, they're impacted by these cuts as well. So, Wendy, loads of luck with um, your uh, campaign in North Allenton. Um, Unite Community uh, members in North um, East Yorks and Humber were out a few weeks before with the little red boxes. We can't afford to live for the spring statement, which had nothing for disabled people yeah. in there at all. It was just crap, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, campaigns like that you know, snappy protests where you've got memes, you've got props, you know, you know, you're you're clever and it gets good graphics and everything. And let's right. take control of and let's take control of the narrative, don't you think, by mm. your saying the cost of greed crisis. Yeah. Let's rename it the cost of greed crisis. And every time someone says all oh, cost of living, say no, it's the cost of greed. Throw the words that they call us back at them. The yeah. biggest Rangers are the ones in Parliament. It isn't us, it's them. Throw yeah. those words back at the shareholders and the conglomerate CEOs who are tax avoiders, right? Yeah. Benefit fraud is like 1.7%. It's so minuscule. Tax avoidance is over 90%, right? Yeah. The biggest scroungers are the MPs who are claiming for this and claiming for that, and it's and the tax avoiders. Let's yeah. nail these bastards to the wall and hit them where it hurts, right in the pocket with the big power off. Nicely said, Paul. I couldn't agree more. Um, and Wendy, if you're still watching us, um, if you can get in touch with us, you can email me at admin at resistfest.co.uk. Um, please let us know some further details about that, what day it's going to happen, what time people are meeting and where, and we'll get that information out for you, uh, both on our social media and out to our members. Um, Emily Morton says she applied for PIP back in 2014 and was refused. Um, she says she's been told to re apply but the stress the DWP has caused is unbelievable they just want you to to die that's exactly how they make me feel they don't care she says she's on um, the old prepayment um, um, system and just managed to top up her electricity before the 1st of April thanks to her family um, hopefully um, she won't be affected by increase for a few months but prices are still going up uh, G-Man rules, aka Rotten Ruby. Um, he says, um, "I was left by British Gas for three weeks without gas or electricity. Couldn't use my stair lift. Was freezing cold. They switched me to a PP meter, and their stupid systems didn't allow me to top up my meter. I can barely walk at the best of times. They didn't give a damn about me. Took over a hundred quid from me for top ups without my meter actually topping up. Had to call them every night." to um to ask them to fix it I mean, th these are just heartbreaking stories aren't they paula well, we hear that we hear these stories every day on independent media as well as i'm sure you do paula what i would say with that situation and my heart goes out to him as it does to emily what i would say is put a complaint in to the energy ombudsman right you can do that and explain the, explain the situation. We've had disabled people doing this quite a bit recently. Put a complaint in to Ofgem and get this seriously looked at because there's something seriously wrong, you know, with companies like this who are doing that. Put a complaint in, 
you know, if you need support to do that, we'll do all we can to help you to do that. Yeah, exactly. And and, and it's, it's you know, it's not just um, d- uh, disabled people that this is mm-hmm. um, affecting. Everyone. It's pensioners, it's students, it's people yeah. who are on low pay, who are on, you know, um, contracts. Um, it's everyone, yes. Yeah. Unless you're really rich, unless you're really rich and a multi-millionaire and a billionaire, it's affecting everybody. You know, if you're not impacted by the costs, you will be. And then when in October, and what the government did on the first of April as well was fucking callous when they cut the warm home discount for three hundred thousand disabled people. And you know those on attendance stands. That's just that's just callous. But let's just the word that a lot of people, you know, disabled campaigns have you. Let's talk about this word here. This is about eugenics. Yeah, right? it's it's to kill as many disabled people and older people and put as many people into poverty as humanly possible. It's all about greed above profit. It's, it is literally profit before people. Well, yeah. we've got to turn it around, the narrative, people before profit. And the only thing they understand is money. So let's hit them in the money pocket. Then they won't be able to use their private jets and their castles and everything else because they won't be able to afford to when their profit margins go right down, you know. Yeah. And I think that's important is we've got to take the power back. We we are, believe it or not, and people may not think it, we are the ones with the power. Let's take it back and smack it between our eyes with them and say, right, enough's enough. We're going to hit you where it hurts. Paula, can you just, before we finish, can you just remind everybody when the Twitter storm is going to be? Yeah, right. The Twitter storm for the big power off will be tomorrow, which is Thursday the 7th of April, and it is 7pm to 9pm on Twitter. So if you see things by Deepak Sheffield, um, me, I'm at Paula Peters 2 on Twitter. If you see anybody tweet with the hashtag Big Power Off, retweet it. Share your story. Deepak Sheffield, um, working so hard, bless him, they're, they're captioning videos. Make a two-minute video if you've got the technology to do it and you feel safe to do that. And Deepak Sheffield will caption it and retweet it. Retweet about MPs. Put name and shame them, hashtag big power off, name and shame or something. But get that hashtag trending. Then on the 10th, which is Sunday, 10th of April, 2022, okay, you know, put a poster up in the window. Tell your neighbours you're joining in the big power off. You know, if you can reduce your energy consumption by not boiling the kettle as much, not having, you know, many showers or something, you know, that's where it can hurt the energy companies. But what if and we know there are disabled people and older people that can't do that. So what we say is we need your stories and if you're frightened of having your name made out there, we can do that anonymously. But what I say to you is, we're all with you. You know, we're there to support you. We're going through the same thing as you. But the thing is, is to take the power back. Let's make this bloody massive. And there's a lady called Karen Brady is also campaigning on the same day that at 10 p.m. on the 10th, 
turn your power completely off at 10 p.m. Yeah. on the 10th of April. And let's shut the grid down. down. And let's shut the grid down, you yeah. know. So I think there's really, really important messages within all of this is take the power back and hit the energy companies really where it hurts. We're fed up with corporate greed, not just with the energy companies, with private providers in the NHS who are making zillions out of, you know, um, private companies and everything, the Richard Bransons and all the rest of it. Let's hit these bastards where it hurts. That's right in the pocket. Cost of greed crisis. Well, I'm sorry we haven't got any more time for any more questions. I'd like to really thank, well, we all would really like to thank Paula Peters for taking the time to come to talk to us. Uh, Sean, for those fantastic questions. Our audience, you're wonderful. And please do the big power off Twitter Storm Thursday. 10th is um, get out there and switch everything off. Let's switch big power off the the cost of greed crisis is going to be no more. Bye-bye.